0: slave law of 1850 encouraged capture of fugitive slaves and outlawed helping them because they were seen even by the courts as stolen property rather than as abused human beings, which is what they were. Welcome to The Strings on 3rd, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist
1: Cindy Ariel. And I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. Today we're going to talk about the Underground Railroad. You know, Cindy, I remember learning a little bit about the Underground Railroad in social studies. Probably most people have a vague idea of what it was, but today we're going to explore the actual history that we should have learned in school. So let's get started. What was the Underground Railroad? Yes, I had a very
0: vague idea. So <laughs> it was a secret network of routes and people helping enslaved Black Americans from the South escape to freedom. I knew that much. <laughs> and I knew that it was really dangerous to be doing that and also illegal. So they had to make up secret codes And it was during the time when steam railroads were growing across the country.
1: So the railroad metaphor grew. Enslaved fugitives traveling the routes were called passengers. And those arriving at safe houses or stations were called cargo. Station masters hid the people and operated the safe houses. Conductors were responsible for guiding enslaved runaways from one place to the next and sometimes even taking the huge risk of posing as a slave in order to enter a plantation to find and guide runaways to the north. Whoa, that was super dangerous too.
0: And people caught trying to help enslaved people to freedom faced arrest, jail, branding with the letters SS, which stood for slave stealer,
1: or hanging. That's so horrible. Ugh. Just to be really clear, it wasn't an actual railroad and it didn't run underground, but it did transport people long distances through hiding places like people's homes and churches and schoolhouses and even businesses. People working
0: for the Underground Railroad risked their lives and their own freedom to help enslaved people to escape. That's the upshot. This was the ultimate in stealing private property, which was what slaves were considered to be, property. And it was punished accordingly, even beyond. I'm not sure people were hanged for stealing other kinds of property.
1: Oh, I doubt it. Passengers and conductors would move at night from safe house to safe house. Sometimes they would travel from 10 to 20 miles looking for the next lit lantern hung outside that identified the next station where they could rest and they could eat. And while they stopped to rest, a message would be sent to the next station to let the station master know that they would be on their way there. In addition to conductors and station masters, the vast majority of people who worked in the Underground Railroad helped in amazing and various ways and they took tremendous risks to do so. They all really did. And
0: learning about the Underground Railroad, we also learned about some really creative ways that some people were able to escape with their lives into freedom. Henry, nicknamed Box Brown, was a fugitive slave who escaped by shipping himself in a three foot long by two and a half foot deep by two foot wide box from Richmond, Virginia to Philadelphia.
1: Oh my gosh, it sounds like a coffin, how horrifying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a happier example (laughs) of another person, a light-skinned man who made it to Savannah, put himself up in a first class hotel walked around town in a nice new suit and was able to buy a steamship ticket to New York. Yeah,
0: they both became free men with a little help from their friends. The Quakers were considered the first organized group to actively help escaped enslaved people. In fact, good old George Washington complained in 1786 that a group of Quakers formed specifically and illegally to help enslaved people escape attempted to liberate one of his enslaved workers who had run away. There was also a network in Philadelphia started by a Quaker that helped enslave people on the run. Quakers in a few places established groups to organize routes and shelters to help people.
1: It is pretty amazing what people were willing to do for the cause. The African Methodist Episcopal Church was another proactive religious group that helped fugitive enslaved people. And of course, Private citizens helped too. You know, Cindy, I can only imagine how frightening and dangerous it was to travel along the Underground Railroad fearing that you could get caught at any moment.
0: Oh my God. And the journey started with the most difficult decision of even trying. Yeah. Imagine how difficult that would have been. It was a decision to try for freedom or agreed to die a slave, being handcuffed, whipped and chained, bought and sold, and degraded in every way. I think it was only this that could allow someone to leave their much loved family and friends and all they ever knew. I don't, I don't think we'll ever know this kind of moral courage.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they had to struggle against obstacles, including the fear of being killed, captured, taken back to the South where they would definitely be tortured and forced to live their days in hopeless bondage. Or, or murdered, I mean, or hanged or dismembered, awful stuff.
0: When they were trying to break free, they had to travel sometimes at the last minute, walking far distances in a short amount of time, like all of a sudden when it's time to go, you gotta go. Routes and timetables had to keep changing for safety and protection. They often had little or no food, no protection, running from wild animals and slave catchers with their hunting dogs, how do people not care about making other people go through such
1: horror? Well, they didn't just not care. they purposely did it. Who's that These escaping slaves sometimes had to go up to 48 hours or more without food or rest, shivering in cold and fear, usually thinly clothed, sometimes drenched by storms, through nighttime, you know, just no shelter, just risking their lives constantly. And that's amazing. Some
0: people I know get upset if they have to go five hours in their own homes without electricity.
1: Right. (laughs) Some slaves made many failed attempts to escape slavery, yet they still had the courage and perseverance to try again and again for freedom after every capture and punishment. And I have to guess they, they felt like life wasn't worth living as a slave. Slave
0: owners also put up posters offering rewards for returning their property. So it was kind of, it was attractive to go catch some slaves.
1: You'd make money if you did it. Yeah.
0: And if they were caught, runaway slaves, of course, were whipped and branded and jailed and sold back into slavery and everything we just mentioned.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what we're talking about. They were made a horrifying example of so that other slaves wouldn't try to escape. So they were tortured in public and then left to die. Just uh, a totally inhumane treatment, of course.
0: There was more too from, from that side. In order to escape from a slaveholder, you'd have to somehow come by a little money so they could get on a train or a boat. They had to trust total strangers to lead their way. They would also need a little money to buy some clothes that didn't make them stick out and look like an enslaved person. Money was sometimes donated through networks by various people and groups, including what they called vigilance committees.
1: Right, so vigilance committees were created in some of the larger towns and cities in the North, like New York, Philadelphia, and Boston. They were first created to protect escaped enslaved people from bounty hunters, and then expanded their activities to guide enslaved people who were on the run. In addition to raising money, They helped provide food and places to stay, and they helped people settle into their new communities once they got there, by helping them find jobs and places to live. I mean, can you imagine you finally escape slavery and you end up in a community where you don't know anybody? And you don't have anything. You have no money, nothing, right. And you have to start over.
0: And all along the way, the stations where they could rest along the way had to be done in secret by word of mouth. They couldn't keep records. They they couldn't be ahead of time because it would sometimes have to change. They had to be protected from
1: being found. And the stations would change if ownership of a house or hiding place changed. People wanted to avoid suspicion, so the houses had to keep shifting around. If a new owner supported slavery or if the site was discovered, if someone reported it, you know, very quickly, the passengers and conductors were forced to find a new station. It's interesting
0: that the Underground Railroad wasn't run by any single organization or person. It was a lot of individuals doing their parts, but they didn't know who each other were or the overall operation. They just knew what they had to do.
1: Imagine if it were happening now with cell phones. It would be so much more organized. (laughs) Yes. The amazing thing is that most Underground Railroad operators were just ordinary people, like from many occupations and all different income levels, including farmers, business owners, ministers. They were a diverse group of people of different races, often brought together whether they were rich or poor, black or white, all for a common cause. A lot of former
0: enslaved people who had escaped themselves, sometimes helped by the Underground Railroad and were now free, sometimes voluntarily risked their lives to return to help free those that were still enslaved?
1: Sometimes that was a safer thing to do. Not everyone knew each other. Sometimes wealthy people would purchase enslaved people, even families, and set them free. But the enticements to sell people out for money made it so it could be hard to know who to trust. There were patrols that were hired by slave owners that were constantly looking to catch enslaved people. They were always nearby. So the Underground Railroad was very effective in helping hundreds of enslaved people
0: move in secret to freedom each year. And over time, people all over started hearing about it. Julie, did you know that Frederick Douglass was a fugitive slave who escaped slavery, but not on the Underground Railroad. He escaped on a real train. He disguised himself as a sailor and he borrowed a sailor certificate of US citizenship. And fortunately, the train conductor didn't look too closely and Douglas gained his freedom.
1: Wow, no, I didn't know that, but it does make sense that as a formerly enslaved person, Frederick Douglass hid fugitives in his home in Rochester, New York, helping about 400 people on their way to Canada. Another former fugitive originally born into slavery, Reverend Germaine Le Guin, who lived in nearby Syracuse, helped about 1,500 escapees on their way north. He also held donation parties so that he could raise money for the cause.
0: Most of the enslaved people helped by the Underground Railroad escaped states that were closer to the north, such as Kentucky, Virginia, and Maryland.
1: Yeah, in the Deep South, the Fugitive Slave Act of 1793 made capturing escaped enslaved people a lucrative business and gave them fewer places to hide. People were typically on their own until they got to certain points that were sort of farther north from the deep south Then they could connect with help for the rest of their journey. The Fugitive Slave Acts were enacted to allow local governments to capture and return enslaved people from within the borders of free states back to their state of origin. So you could imagine these people, these these hunters are going up to the free states to find escaped slaves. And then they punish anyone who might've helped the slaves in their attempted escape too.
0: Some Northern states tried to fight back on this with what were called personal liberty laws to exempt state and local officials from having to follow the fugitive slave laws They were eventually passed, but were later struck down by the Supreme
1: Court. Oh, I hate to say it, but it sounds something like our current Supreme Court, not protecting human rights. It is shocking to think about how people of color were not viewed as deserving the same human rights and protections as white people.
0: And it gets worse. There were even more fugitive slave acts that made previous ones even stronger and created harsher penalties for escapees and their helpers. The Fugitive Slave Law of 1850 encouraged capture of fugitive slaves and outlawed helping them because they were seen even by the courts as stolen property rather than as abused human beings, which is what they were. Yep. These laws made even northern states risky for runaway enslaved people, so a lot of them didn't rest until they made it to Canada.
1: Yeah, they had to escape the United States to get to a safer country, which was not the United States, just to be clear, it was Canada. These are the kinds of things, these things that were happening with the fugitives and the chasing and all, that increased the division between the North and the South, and of course, kind of set the stage for the Civil War. And besides helping to ignite the political crisis that eventually led to the Civil War, Millions of sympathetic white Northerners joined the fight against Southern slaveholders, personally helping fugitives and donating money. There
0: actually were Underground Railroad bake sales and bazaars. They became common fundraisers in the North. And these kind of activities helped give new meaning to thousands of women who, you know, were housewives and they turned their ordinary chores like baking and sewing into acts of defiance and empowerment.
1: That's pretty cool. Even politicians who had sworn oaths to uphold the constitution, including the clause mandating the return of runaway slaves to their rightful masters, ignored their duty, which is good. Some openly encouraged underground railroad activity. The governor of New York secretly sheltered runaways in his basement while serving in the US Senate. Judge William J., son of the first chief justice of the Supreme Court, ignored fugitive slave laws, and donated money to help escapees.
0: Apparently some Underground Railroad lines led south en route to Mexico and the
1: Caribbean. Wow, I didn't know that. Overall, according to some estimates, the Underground Railroad helped to guide 100,000 enslaved people to freedom. This was too many to support the diagnosis of drapetomania that was given to runaway slaves like they had some kind of psychological disorder. Why wasn't there a diagnosis given to the slave owners for treating people like they weren't human? That is a real illness. Sometimes runaways had to contest their
0: freedom in courts. Sometimes there were sympathetic judges to help them. So much was going on. Some people searched around the docks in New York looking for black stowaways and guiding them to freedom, but There were others also on the lookout for free black people, especially children, to sell into slavery.
1: So it was really hard to know who to to trust, I would imagine. Seriously. Canada, unlike the United States, offered black people greater freedoms, like being able to live where they wanted to and be part of actual civic life. Some underground railroad operators based themselves in Canada so that they could help new arrivals settle in.
0: Harriet Tubman, one of the most well-known conductors of the Underground Railroad. Did you see that movie? No. It was a movie. It was good. Yeah, I liked it anyway. It told her story of helping hundreds of runaway slaves escape to freedom, and she never lost one along the way. Wow. She was born an enslaved woman named Araminta Ross. Tubman was her married name and she took the name Harriet when she escaped a plantation in Maryland. It took her two attempts to
1: finally make it to Pennsylvania. Wow. As a fugitive slave, Harriet was helped along the Underground Railroad by another famous conductor, William Still. He went on to write the book, The Underground Railroad, a record of facts, authentic narratives, letters, one of the few comprehensive books describing escapes to freedom. By way of the Underground Railroad in detail.
0: Yeah, so Harriet returned to the plantation she escaped from several times to rescue family members and other people. Wow. And this, this part was covered in the movie and it's really sad, but on her third trip, she tried to rescue her husband. Like they had showed their relationship and how they had to say goodbye and how sad that was. But when she came back to rescue him, he had remarried and refused to leave. And then that's when apparently she saw a vision from God and joined the Underground Railroad. And that's when she began guiding other escaped slaves. She made like 19 trips into the South and escorted over 300 slaves to freedom. She would actually go and take the trip with them each time. And she would take the groups all the way to Canada because she didn't trust the United States to treat them well enough.
1: Wow, she was a pretty smart person. Yeah and very brave. The Underground Railroad operated for about 30 years before it stopped underground operations during the Civil War. At that point, bringing enslaved people to freedom was done less in secret, and the fight against the Confederacy and systems of slavery was was done out in the open. Here's an amazing fact. Harriet Tubman led intelligence operations and worked in Union Army operations to rescue emancipated enslaved people.
0: Yeah, she just,
1: once she got free, she just made this her life. She was Black and female in the 1800s, and somehow she was allowed to use her intelligence, wits, and experience to work for the government to help other slaves.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. There were a lot of other notable people helping the Underground Railroad too. Like John Fairfield from Ohio, who was the son of a slaveholding family, also made many daring rescues. And Levi Coffin is a pretty well known Quaker who helped more than 3,000 enslaved people to reach freedom. The strength that these people had and the brilliance, like you said, the strength and their brilliance mm-hmm. in the horrendous situation. And it's just mind blowing what they had to figure out and go through and their creativity in that.
1: I know, I agree with you. I I mean, it's so impressive. I just wonder what I would be capable of, you know? It's very brave, very strong. But of course, not all runaway slaves made it to freedom. But many of those who did manage to escape went on to tell their stories and to try to help others. The good news is that slavery has been outlawed globally since 1981. Although I know that doesn't sound like a very long time. It's only like 40 years ago, but it is at least outlawed globally.
0: Yeah, it's not really long ago at all. And it might sound like a happy ending story, except that we know slavery still exists today in many forms. Modern day slavery is on our agenda for an upcoming podcast. So stay
1: tuned. And despite the end of official slavery, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, Politicians and business leaders have always come up with ways to continue to keep others down, especially people of color. Redlining being just one huge example that we've talked about. It means that we have to keep educating ourselves and fighting against the long-standing inequity and racism in this country.
0: We all have to do our part. We'll keep doing ours and we hope it inspires you, our listeners to join in in whatever way you can.
1: Thanks for joining us. Thanks
0: for listening today. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Until next time, take care.